Welcome to the What For Podcast, a community of like-minded individuals sharing stories of strength, weakness, and all aspects of real life through firsthand accounts of struggles, challenges, and adversity. If you're ready to be inspired and have an open mind, then let's get started. The What For Podcast starts now. Always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it. And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing. Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it. Never listen to the no's, I just wanna keep moving. Keep my head up when I act. Head up, that's a fact. Never looking back, I'ma keep What's going on, listeners? Today's guest is a little bit hard for me to introduce. Because what we're going to get into today is not an easy subject for most people to talk about let alone publish a book on. But I believe that just because something is difficult to talk about doesn't mean it should be left alone. Which is one of the main reasons we started this podcast. And it's why our guest, Fatima Oliver, is here tonight. How are you doing, Fatima? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, James. It's it's a pleasure. I, I definitely... I read through a little bit of the book and I read through a little bit of your story Yes, and it, before we, we get into it, I just want to say firstly, wow, <laughs> that's, that's a lot for a person to deal with. Um, and secondly, I want to, I guess congratulations. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't know. How, I, I hope you get what I mean. I don't I know do. how to say that. I do. I get it. I understand that completely. It's one of those awkward moments where you're like, should I pat you on the back? I'm not yeah. Sure. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's, right. it's one of those things where it's, I don't think like I can read through it. Right. And I can, I can have an idea. Yeah. But even reading through all of it, it's, it's not going to translate to, to me as how it, it, you experienced it. Yeah. And I definitely tried it. That was difficult too, as far as trying to make sure that readers could get um, the depth of what I was sharing, that was difficult as well, because when you live something and you try to translate it to someone, you know, it's just like when you have a joke that was so funny when you were in the moment. And then when you try to retell it, it's like, sometimes you say, you just had to be there. And, um, and so I found myself getting stuck sometimes trying to share experiences because, it was just difficult to find the right words to express so that you could feel like you were there. But I appreciate yeah. what you what you know, I appreciate the sentiment and, yeah. and the fact that you, you, you know, you dove in and, um, and read and read some pieces of it. So thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it's one of those things where I don't typically read too many books like that. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the, I mean, out of, out of the, the few pages that I read, the, the thing that caught me the most about all of it is most people flip open the first few pages, right? And there's, you know, there's typically, there's some publishing information in there and there's a cute little 
one or two sentence note that says, you know, oh, I'd like to thank these one or two people and my family for making this possible. Yeah. And when I opened up your book, it was a full two pages of thanks and appreciation and gratitude. <laughs> and and at first I was like, wow, that's a lot. But then as I started getting into it, it it made so much sense. Yeah. And and at the same time, it's I think it's it really says something about your journey in general. If you come out the other side and you're able to recognize everything that went into where you are today. Absolutely. Because I think so many people are just quick to forget that. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. so glad they made it out the other side. They're like, I'm glad it's done. Yeah. Wipe their hands of it. And then they, they just move on. Yeah. And sometimes it's survival. Sometimes it's a survival instinct, right? Mm -hmm. So I really am a believer that at least culturally with how I was raised, we were raised to basically, we are, I shouldn't say raised, but we were conditioned to um, have the mindset of survival. Um, there were, um, I, I grew up in inner city um, in Vegas. I didn't, I didn't live on the strip or in the shiny places. I lived, um, if you can imagine, um, the, the rougher parts of town in, in Las Vegas, they do have a rough side of town there. And, um, and so, um, growing up, it, it was often with, with a single parent, it was often a matter of survival, whether it was my mom being able to put food on the table or, um, us being able to avoid, um, detrimental situations. It was all based on surviving and surviving the next day and surviving the next day. So, so that atmosphere was all about that. It was, it was never about processing feelings. And so growing up, that's just, that was my condition through my young adult, through my thirties and uh, into my forties. That was just my mindset as far as like you're saying, Oh, I got through that. Okay. On to the next thing. Um, but never, um, having the moment or even thinking it was okay to stop and say, oh my God, did that just happen to me? What the heck was that? I I never thought it was even okay to stop and and go back over what had happened. To me, that was a form of weakness and wallowing. Um, Being able to pick up and move on, that was strength. Even though I know that that's not accurate, that's just how it how it how it was viewed because of um you know how I was raised what what I grew up around yeah just just being conditioned to be in that constant fight or flight yeah response. yeah and and not getting a break from that yeah, I, uh, yeah. That, that's that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> um so I I kind of know the answer to this but I I, I really have to ask yes uh, what made you write this book well because <laughs> yeah. the reason i ask is because you know like we just said you know getting out the other side and yep. and recognizing everything that happened and everybody that got you there in that process is one thing but then to take that process and just share it yeah openly like just yeah. here you know I mean, you're putting your life on a platter essentially and yeah. going read <laughs> read through this and pick through this, please. Yeah. Um, For me, when I wrote it, it was an extension of healing for me. It was um, an extension of therapy. I had been in therapy a while. 
um, before I felt like, you know, I can actually write about this. I always thought when I would share some pieces of my story and I would see people's eyes and their their response to some of the things that I would share. And I would say, girl, I could write a book. <laughs> and then they would be like, you should write a book. Um, but I, I really never saw myself doing it. Um, but basically, um, a couple of years ago, um, I feel like I was forced, honestly, to go on a soul journey um, to find myself because, quite honestly, I really felt like I was losing my natural mind. Like I really was at a place where I wasn't recognizing myself. And when I say that, I mean, I would have tremendous anxiety attacks. Um, crying at the drop of the hat, crying at work, at my desk, looking crazy, trying to fix my makeup before anybody noticed, pulling over on the side of the road because I, my chest was t- so tight and um, just sitting in vacant parking lots and just crying and not understanding why. It seemed that my life was in a good place. I had um, professionally gotten to a level where um, I could afford to live in a certain um, community and my kids could, could go to a good school and and my, my, my marriage was good. And um, it appeared that I had everything that I had always prayed for to have. And I always thought if I have these things that, that everything else would, would fall into place and I would be happy. Um, but I, 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 I just got to a place where I truly couldn't recognize myself and miraculously, um, I was able to get the courage to approach healing, which to me just means I faced the junk that I had suppressed for so many years, all the things that I had undergone as a child and even in my adult life with relationships, just a host of things that I had I had went through and survived. Um, it had been suppressed and I had moved on to the next thing. And now it was bubbling up to the surface and it was time for me to work on healing from that. And in that process of going through um the, the steps to heal, um, different steps in the process that I tried to be able to get on the other side, uh, it, a book came out of it. And so um, there were several things that, that um, I found myself doing to help my, my mental state, to help my emotional state, and to really be able to feel uh, kind of free to the point where I could say, you know what, I want to tell the word about this. But uh, when I say that it was an extension of therapy and and um, healing, I say that because I felt for so many years, well, not even for so many years, just f- for my entire life, I felt invisible and I felt kind of silenced and I felt like my voice didn't matter. And, and I always told myself, well, there are other people out there that have gone through tougher situations. So, you know, why am I whining? You know, and so when in writing this, I felt this is the first time that I'm standing up for myself and I'm saying I matter. My voice matters. And people that have gone through harder situations than me or similar situations that haven't gotten that courage to really speak on it they matter too. And so really it was one of those type of things where I was like on the top of the, on top of the roof <laughs> of a building and saying, listen to me, I matter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's one of those things where humans are just in general, phenomenal creatures. You know, we, we all have this ability to just take a beating and for the most part, yeah we get back up and we just kind of keep on trucking. Yep. But the, at, at some point 
I don't even know if I say at some point, I think we're, I think we're just slowly realizing it now as, as just a society and the world in general, that the ability to pick up and move on while it, it is something that humans are fairly incredible at. It isn't actually the most healthy thing in the world yes. to do that. It, yeah. it, it's one of those things where for the longest time, like you said, it was a sign of strength. Yeah. Be, you know, uh, I said it in a few episodes ago. It's it's one of those things where it's it's how hard you can get hit and get back up and keep moving forward yeah. is is this is a sign of strength and we're seeing that to some extent it's it, yes you need to get back up. You need to keep moving forward. Yeah. But you can't just keep dragging that with you because yeah. it it doesn't help anybody in the long run. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we need to create a, whatever you want to call it, a safe space, a platform, mm-hmm. a, a, a place for people to have an ability to just share this. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it's one thing to, to go and get help for it. And like you said, it's a whole nother step to be able to just talk about it openly. Like, yeah, that happened. Yeah. It's it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it happened. But, but I'm here. Yes. Right? So, you know, I got I got through it. Right. It didn't, you know, it didn't whatever it was, it didn't take my life or I didn't let it take my life. Right. You know, either either physically or just to the point where it consumes me until, you know, the maker calls, right? Right. Because there's there's that physical death, but then there's that that death where you just you just let it eat away at your life yes. until you eventually die. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of people walking around right now that are, for lack of a better term, Dead. zombies. Yep. <laughs> it's true, and it's not it's not a laughing matter. It's just I can right. totally I can totally relate. And mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm just to let the listeners know. That um, I mean, I've definitely experienced a lot, and and like I said, I don't think my story is different from a. a uh, I know that there are other people that have gone through equally or more than myself, so I'm not trying to set myself apart. But it definitely um, can damage you or break you if you don't deal with it. And so I have been, um, I have experienced physical abuse, um, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and um, mental abuse for sure. Um, I am actually a burn victim, um, being burnt on 25% of my body, on my legs and feet primarily. And um, I've lost a child. Um, I have been neglected by a parent, my dad, he wasn't, he wasn't in my life. And we lived in the same, pretty close to the same neighborhood. And we were like, um, if you ran into a coworker that you see in the halls and then you run into them on a weekend, you speak, but you don't really have anything to say. That's how our relationship was. And that completely impacted my life on such a deep level. But I've also, because of all those different things and how they made an imprint on my heart, um, it, it culminated into me struggling with anxiety and depression. And so um, for years, um, I've said that um, I describe it as never feeling from a child. I never felt happy. I always felt like 
like there was just a melancholy about me. And that there was like, you see on the commercials where you see the cloud hovering over the person when people are trying to explain depression, that is totally how I felt, but I didn't recognize that that's what I was feeling. It was just my nature. That's just my, that was just my disposition. And um, when I got older, I started feeling like something's wrong with me, but there were people around who, like you were saying, similar to the people that I I acknowledged who were there to help me. There are also people there that kind of enabled me and would say, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you you should be stronger. You're not weak, toughen up. And so I would tell myself, well, well, something's wrong with me. Like I'm not strong enough then. If I can't handle this, then I'm not strong enough. And that was my mindset. And I really conditioned myself to truly believe that, um, that being in um, control of my emotions or being able to shut my emotions off was discipline. That I was I was tough because I knew how to shut my emotions off. And and the reality the reality of it was my entire life I never knew how to handle emotion. I never was in a in a situation or in a in an atmosphere where showing emotion was okay. It was shunned at. So I never knew how to cope with emotion. And so I didn't know how to. Um, really show from the inside out happiness. I didn't know how to, from the inside out, express sorrow or pain or heartbreak. I didn't really know how to show that in a healthy way. So it would just simmer and it would stay inside me. And then I would have these bouts of depressed moments where I would think about, you know, can I survive this? Or what if I cut my wrist? Or what if I just take a bunch of pills? Or what if I just go through this um, intersection really fast? Because I, I just wanted the pain of those feelings to go away. And I just didn't have a healthy way of handling them. I didn't know how. And so it was only by me having the courage to, and honestly, a lot of prayer <laughs> and, yeah. um, and just, and, and just one day in one of those sessions of God, why am I feeling this way? Why won't you help me? One of those moments where, um, it was, it just hit me like a ton of bricks to go to the doctor and I was diagnosed with being clinically depressed. But up until that time, that was in, um, my, my mid thirties up until that time, that was a whole life, a whole nother life that I lived feeling this sorrow and this pain and rage and disappointment all bumble, you know, just all together, mixed together and not knowing uh, what was going to come out of me at any given time. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, you know, uh, as somebody that also suffers from depression and anxiety. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where I, I kind of attribute it to, back pain or mm-hmm. other unique experiences where you can talk about it to somebody till you're blue in the face, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but unless they've had their own personal experience with it, yeah, it, it, they're never going to, most people, I shouldn't say all people, most people aren't going to be capable of understanding what that really means Yeah, yeah. To, to, to genuinely have that moment like you said, where you're in your car and it's not just, just a fleeting thought. It, 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 it occupies space in your brain. It lives there. It is something that you have to stare down and confront in, in a real situation. And I, I mean, I don't want to say nobody's going to understand it unless they've been through that because I, 
I think that would be a disservice to some people, but it's really hard to explain to somebody that that that's a real thing. Most people yeah. are just like, nah, you're just being some type of weird. Yeah. Just figure it out and, and you get brushed off and yeah. it's it sucks. I I mean, I, I can't remember how long I probably had depression before I went and saw a doctor about it. But it's one of those things that when you get, when you get to the other side of it, you look back on it and you're like, I don't know why I didn't do that sooner. Yes, absolutely. It was like getting glasses for the first time. And it's like, oh my God, I I haven't been able to see that clear. Oh my Mm -hmm. God. Look what I've been missing. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's, I think, I think that's one of the biggest burdens that I've ever personally had lifted off me is coming out the other side of, of dealing with my depression and whatnot, because it really is. I don't, I don't like to use this term life changing, but it is. Yeah. It's like positive or negative. It depends on how it hits you and how you're able to battle it. Absolutely. It's like, it can turn in such a tragic way and leave some very sad people behind or, um, it can go to the other side where you just feel so grateful that you was able to make it out of that moment of such darkness and um, and living like that. For me, I had learned to live that way. I learned to live with with going up and down, up and down like a bad graph. And um, even with my medicine, even with the medicine that I was on um, after so long, I really just became straight dependent on the medicine and not necessarily trying to figure out, well, why was I depressed? I just was like, let me pop that pill (laughs) so I can feel better. And, um, but then, um, but then like clockwork every year, there would be maybe every three months, I would be in this dark space where I would just shut off from the world. Everybody wouldn't be able to find me. Um, I wouldn't want to talk to my family. I would be kind of avoiding the kids and my husband. I would tell them I'm just tired. I wouldn't go out. I just wanted to stay in the house. And um, I didn't know how to explain that to my husband. I just didn't know how to help him to understand and and I didn't want him to think I was crazy, <laughs> so so yeah, no, you know I didn't want that. But um, but I, I would go through those moments, and really, it would just be me and God in that I say it was like a tunnel in the um, or or in the ditch. It would be just me and God in that ditch, and um, eventually I would be able to see some form of way to get out of the ditch, and then I would. Um, uh, get back on my medicine, make sure that I was taking my medicine regularly. And then I would go on as if nothing would happen, nothing happened. It was just the last couple of years, about two years ago, where my medicine, I was taking it regularly, but it wasn't as effective. And I still was feeling sad and all over the place and worrisome and just in despair, honestly, just a feeling of despair, um, despite me taking my medicine on a regular basis. And it really made me um, question what is really going on. And I felt so out of control. I didn't like the feeling of not knowing, uh, being too unpredictable to myself, that um, it, it really forced me to have a conversation with some close friends who um, I believe everybody needs a safe place to fall. Everybody needs some type of accountability partner. 
And so I was able to have a, a raw, honest conversation with some accountability partners and get that encouragement to seek um, talk therapy. And that's what actually got me to go sit on the couch. And when I went, I was like, I don't want to talk about anything deep. I just want you to give me some coping skills <laughs> so that I can yeah. come out of the anxiety. We're not going to talk about my daddy. We're not going to hit the pillow. We're not going to do none of that. Just get, just, just tell me how to breathe. <laughs> and um, for at least a good month, that is really how I went um, to therapy. Just tell me a coping skill. Okay. That coping skill didn't work. Give me another coping skill. Okay. Make the anger and the feelings feel like a wave washing over me. Okay. Try that. Hey, I don't know if that works. Try Give me something else, doc. <laughs> it was like that. And, um, eventually, um, I had to have what I call a come to Jesus moment where I had to say, okay, the medicine, um, I'm so grateful for it. The therapy, I'm so grateful for it. But I have to start participating in my own healing process. I have to become a, a bigger participant. So, um, you know, I, I got to start getting real with myself. And honestly, that's when I actually um, included um, a program called um, Celebrate Recovery. I included that program into um, my healing as well. And it, it it's a program that's similar to a Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous. It's built on um, bi- uh, biblical principles but it does have 12 steps also. And it's it was a like a nine-month step study and it talks about all your emotions and all the baggage that you have suppressed and, and you get out of it what you put into it, but it challenges you to face all those things that you have not had the courage to face and peel back. I like to say it's like peeling back the 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 layers of an onion because there are plenty of tears in the process. But if you're brave enough, you peel back those layers and you start to see, well, why do I behave this way? Why is it that when such and such says this to me, this one phrase, it just sends me off the deep end? What does that mean to me? When when was the first time I ever heard that somebody called me that name and how did it impact me? You really go deep down to the surface and start dealing with things. And it was when I started doing all three together, a lot, along with a lot of prayer, (laughs) Um, I began to feel like, wow, I can do this. Like I'm beginning to feel better. I'm beginning to feel like um, I'm going to be okay. And, um, and finding some joy, which I didn't, I don't even think I knew what joy was until I started um, working on myself in this way. Yeah. I think, I think a lot can be said for anybody that is going through that and like you said you you started off with medicine and and the medicine seemed like it was working and then you kind of hit that wall where it doesn't really do much for you anymore like it it helps but it's not getting you to where you want to be and i think the important thing that and i tell my listeners this all the time but it's Depression and anxiety and any traumatic experience in general, the healing process is going to be entirely different for every single person. And, and I think if you, if anybody's out there, they're listening to this, they're trying to work through something, whether it's depression, anxiety, or some traumatic event in their life. If you try something and it doesn't work or it kind of works, that doesn't mean that you're broken. That doesn't mean that you're not going to get through whatever you're trying to get through. 
it just means you need to go back to the toolbox and you need to find a different tool. Yep. And Absolutely. if if that means you need to go talk to somebody else, go talk to somebody else. Yeah. And and that's I mean that's you know one of the reasons you wrote your book. That's one of the reasons I do this podcast is to just let people know that everybody's carrying around their own baggage and everybody needs a different toolbox to get through it. Yeah. And, and I yeah, and I think that also people um you you said it earlier at the top that we need to be able to have a safe place where you can have these type of raw, real, uh, honest discussions. And I think we've just been, we've gotten caught up in this thing of thinking that we have to kind of perform and we have to look like we're okay all the time. And that is exhausting. It is. Um, everyone needs a safe place to fall. Um, I love um, a lady by the name of Carolyn Leaf. She um, actually does um, research and she studies how the brain, um, how the mind and the brain connect. And um, she talks about how everybody needs um, a place where it's called freaking out in the love zone. And I love that analogy. For me, I say a safe place to fall. But either way, everybody needs a place where keeping it real, you can be ugly tears, ugly your ugly cry, you know, the messed up cry, not the cute little tears coming down your face, but the snotty nose cry. And you're in your clothes for three days. You, you're funky. <laughs> Hairs all over your place, but uh, hairs all over the place. But somebody comes in and they will help you pick up the house and they will sit with you and they will cook for you and they'll just be there with you. That's your safe place to fall. And it doesn't have to be family. It can be a a friend. It can be someone that you um, have a similar faith with or you go to church with. It can be the counselor if you don't have anybody else. It can be that counselor that you pay to speak with you. That's your safe place to fall. Everybody needs that. And um, I think if it was not for me having um, a a set, I call it my tribe or my sister friends, if it wasn't for me having them already and being able to have genuine people around me already, when I felt like I was at my, my, my scariest place, I wouldn't have been able to get up on my legs and have the, the push in the back to go get help. It was them that helped me to get that push in the back to go through the door and drop my pride and say, I need help. Um, help begins with humility. And that's another thing that I wasn't necessarily taught because we were, I was taught to be a strong woman and there's nothing wrong with being a strong woman. I, I equate my strength with the reason why I've gotten through so many things, but I just forgot to go back and take care of my heart. And, um, and that's something I didn't really even know that I needed to do and being able to be around like-minded people being able to go and speak to somebody and and really spend some devotional time with with my faith and and have some time to meditate on what my belief is all those things together is what helped me to see that Fatima you know your heart it it needs to mend from all of those things um but i also think that james it's important that at some point we take accountability for our lives also and that um, I can definitely, I mean, like you said, you read some of the um, some of the pieces of the book. The book, by the way, is called The Prescription is in the Dirt, because we just keep saying the book, the book, but it's called The Prescription is in the Dirt. But um, you read some of it. And, and you so then you you can attest that for the most part, 
I was a victim in a lot of situations. You know, it's clear. It's the writing's clearly on the wall that I was a victim. However, there's a place where we are all held accountable for what we understand. And I really think that there comes a place in our life where we have to take accountability for our lives, for the decisions that we make, for the behavior that we hold on to. And so our victim mindset must change to a victim, I'm sorry, a victor mindset. It must change to participate in my healing and not, um, I hate this is happening to me, but this is the way my life is always going to be. This is the way my life always has been, has been. There's nothing for me in the future. So I'm just going to sit right here and I'm not going to push myself to be greater. I believe that's a huge disservice to the person that um, I, I believe God wants you to be, but that your family wants you to be, that they're counting on you to be. And it's just really a disservice to yourself, to your existence. So being able to change that mindset and, and discipline yourself. If we can discipline ourselves to go to the gym or watch a certain show or play a certain game, if we can discipline ourselves in those ways, we can discipline ourselves to change our thinking. And so I think it's very important to do those two things in order to be able to participate in your healing, as well as understanding that it's okay to not be okay, but you just can't stay there. You know, you got to be willing to to move forward and make a decision as a human being and say, I deserve more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I normally... I typically refer to that when I talk about my issues as as you need to be able to face hard truths. Yeah, yep. You need to be able you need to be able to sit down and ask yourself the questions that you're not going to be comfortable answering. Yeah. And the quick one that I always go to and it's and it's trivial, but it's a it is a big source of my anxiety. And and I I said it before, so I guess if you're listening to this, I'm sorry you're going to hear it again. Um <laughs> I I don't like to borrow things from people because I am a terrible person to lend something to. <laughs> and and I don't mean like and it's not the important things like it, like if you lend me your car you're going to get your car back. Right. It's like it's the trivial things. Yeah. For example, I borrowed a movie from a guy a year and a half ago. It's still sitting on my bookcase. <laughs> He lives two miles away. I drive past his house on the way to work. Right. <laughs> every and it every time I walk past it and look at it, the two things go into my head. I really need to take care of that, and I'm a terrible person. <laughs> right. But yeah. it's it's you know it's and that's a very trivial one, but that's the basis of it. That's where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. That's where it starts. That's the seed. And then it grows from there. Absolutely. That's how I was with Redbox. My husband finally, he took it away. He punished me. He said, I could never bring another Redbox in the house because I swear I bought those movies. I don't know how many of those movies that I own now because yep. I kept it yep. for so long. They were like, just, just keep it. Yep. Yeah. I think you I've got four understand. or five of those as well. <laughs> yeah. But I get it. I mean, and it and it there's something deeper to that that um, you know, that that it's it's like you say, it seems so trivial, but it's something deeper to that of why, you know, why why can't you 
make that right? Like, why can't you resolve that? Or why did you consistently have this habit? And those are the type of questions that we all have to, like you say, would be willing to face some hard truths. I was in a class with, it started out with, it, it, it was um, for it was women-based. So it started out with like 50 women. And by the end of the nine months, it was, I want to say 15 of us. And so, and that was because with each step that we took, it took a deeper look in the mirror and it was not easy. And you don't have to go to a program to do that. You can just make up in your mind that that's what you're going to do. Now, if you need tools and resources, then maybe you should, but, and, or maybe get with somebody or everything's online nowadays. Um, yeah. But it's, it really boils down to no matter how much help is out there, you have to make that decision that you're going to commit and you're not going to break the promise to yourself. And I really found also that um, going through whether it was therapy or whether it was a program or whether it was having an accountability partner and talking about some honest things that I had to be in a place where I had to be open to forgiving people or open to forgiving the unforgivable for me and where I, and the things that I had um, gone through. Like I said, I, you know, I've, I've been in several abusive situations. Um, you know, my, my stepfather, one stepfather abused me, another stepfather abused me and my, my brother, my older brother, and um, another stepfather sexually abused me. Um, but it, it doesn't even have to be that tumultuous. Um, it could be that um, I had a friendship and, and which I did, I had a friendship that I thought she was like a sister and then an event happened that made me see that I wasn't as uh, she I wasn't as close to her as I thought and it hurt my feelings so it could be from any type of level but at the end of the day if you're going to go through a process where you're saying that you want to be better on the other side you're saying that you want to um, release some things that you've been holding on to for so long, like bad baggage, and you want to be lighter and you want to do uh, surgery on your heart and your emotions, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to get to a place where you, you have to make a choice to forgive. And I had some, um, some, um, some, some situations where I had to have a conversation with, with people I didn't have to, but a, a conversation presented itself of uh, the time presented itself to have a conversation with, with some people and walk through a forgiving process. And it wasn't a matter of me just saying, okay, I'm going to forgive you. But it really was a matter of being able to have the discussion of how events that happened between me and that person hurt me and how it made me feel when I was in the moment, how I carried it and it damaged parts of my life because of this one situation and how it, if I could have done it differently or if it could have been done differently, this is what I would have liked and going forward, this is what the relationship can be. And so those type of steps of getting healing. And I literally was able to do that uh, with some very um, impactful people in my life. I actually went through um, that type of a step with my with my biological father, and um, it was definitely uh, scary <laughs> to um, to to do that. It was definitely scary to walk through that step because, like I said before, we did not have uh, 
a healthy relationship whatsoever. He was just some guy on the street that, uh, you know, that helped birth me. And, and that really was the extent of our relationship. And if it wasn't for my grandparents, we would not even know each other. And so to go from that to be able to be on the other side and we spent Christmas together and he got to bake cookies with his grandchildren in a, in a span of because I was willing to consciously make a decision that I was going to walk through this forgiving process. No matter how angry I was at that moment when I made the decision, uh, I said, I'm going to trust and I'm going to walk through the forgiving forgiveness process. I truly came out on the other side of it with a father, something I never had. And I'm 46 years old. Yeah, there's uh it's funny that you mentioned that I'm it's, it's something that I'm actually kind of working through right now with uh, a family member of my own, I mm-hmm. guess it's, it's one of those situations where what he did didn't happen to me. Yeah. But the act of what he did, I have a hard time forgiving somebody who does that type of stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's it's tough. Um, I still haven't found a way to be comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Because it's a... It's not my story to tell. I get it. Absolutely. I get it. So it's, it's, it's not in a position where I can go and openly talk to people about it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's one of those things that just, it's, it's, it sucks, but it's going to have to sit back there until the opportunity presents itself for me to deal with it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important to recognize that that's as far as that's going to get for now. And it's, it's okay that it's gotten that far. Absolutely. Yeah, I did. I, um, (laughs) I experienced that with actually with uh, my mom, I talk a lot about, um, her in, in the book and, and a specific incident with, um, my stepfather that sexually abused me and the decision um, of how she handled, um, that situation and that we never talked about it again. I was 11 years old and we, when, when the incident occurred and we never talked about it again until I was 40, 44. And I was so scared to even approach the conversation. It was as if I was 11 all, all over again. And I was able to approach the conversation and have the conversation that I wasn't looking to, I didn't, um, I don't even think I knew at that time that there was really anything to forgive. I just wanted to have the conversation and it definitely did not go as I planned. Um, it definitely did not. And so, um, and so I walked away, um, feeling, um, after the end result, I, I definitely walked away feeling disappointed and heartbroken and completely misunderstood and really shocked that the conversation went in the direction that it did. However, in saying that, Another part um, that I learned through um, just working through um, the healing process of, of, of just baggage is that um, the forgiveness part is really more so about me than it was yep. about her. And that I was able to say, 
I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have to lie about this, the situation to forgive it. I don't have to pretend like these events did not happen because that would be a fake. Like that's, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm faking if I act like the only way that I can forgive is to pretend like those things didn't happen, but they did happen. And that's, that's falsifying my, my history if I say that it didn't. And so standing true that these things occurred, but I love you anyway. And that was my extent of forgiveness. These things occurred. I don't agree with the way you handled it. It was completely wrong, in my opinion, being the victim of how it was handled. But I love you anyway. Now, does that mean that um, that we need to get together and talk on the phone all the time like we used to? I can't do that. And the reason is because she hasn't or it, it, her or it would be maybe another person if, if somebody else was walking through this step. If they haven't gotten to the place where they can, number one, understand where you're coming from and, and number two, can um, acknowledge they're wrong, then why would I put myself in that position to right. um, be reminded that they don't agree with the obvious. It's like yep. that to me, that's another form of victimization. And so, and if I, and if I consciously make the decision to put myself in that position, then that's self victimization, because I know what the outcome is going to be, but I want them in my life so bad that I'm going to put myself in a position to be mistreated just so that I can say that we're in each other's life. That's self victimization. And I'm not going to do that to myself. So for me, I say, when I'm in situations like that, I have to lean on the old adage of some people need to be loved from across the street. I love you and I'll always be there for you. And if something happened, I would always be there for you because my heart is soft towards you. But the behavior I cannot have in my in my life, the behavior and the mindset, I can't have that in my life because then that may break, take me backwards and I'm trying to move forward. Yep. And so those were uh, also some decisions um, that uh, choices that I had to make in the process of my soul healing. Um, I had to, those are tough decisions. It's like one was a father, one was a mother. And, um, and I had to make some very hard decisions. One turned out the way I wanted, one did it, but I had to ultimately think, do I want to be loyal or do I want peace? And so for me, I had to lean on God. What's the best way for me to operate so that I can gain peace, um, but not just peace of mind, like in my everyday life, no drama, but peace with the resolve in my heart that I did the best that I could to resolve these things that occurred, that happened to me um, and to have a conversation about those things. But at the end of the day, whether they wanted to discuss it or whether it turned out the, what the discussion turned out the way I wanted it to, wanted it to or not, I have to understand that I won because I was bold enough to have the discussion. I won because I was able to face the situation and resolve it within myself and without putting myself in a position to be hurt. So it's all about you. The forgiveness is about you. It's not about the other person's response. It really is ultimately about your courage to face the hard truths, to deal with it and peel back the layers on the onion, to cry it out, to come up with a plan on what you would have done differently, to understand where you did not do anything wrong and to let go of being the martyr because you're not, it wasn't your fault. So stop owning it. 
and be able to suck it up and take it on the chin if you did some things that you shouldn't have and resolve that. But that's where the victory is at in the forgiveness process. It's not um, in the hands of the other person and of their response. It's all in how you handle those situations. I really strongly believe that um, walking through that process and, and owning what is yours and letting go of what isn't yours to hold on to, that that is like um, such an effective way to get to a place where you can breathe, in, inhale and exhale and feel at peace about your decisions. I think that's, I, I could not have said that better myself. <laughs> I think it, it, it's a hard lesson to learn the fact that even though forgiveness is something we give to other people, yeah, it is by no means for them. It really isn't. Yeah. And yeah. it, it's, it's a tough lesson to learn yeah. what that, what that really means. Yeah. You know, cause I think too many people just put the, well, you know, you did something wrong, go say sorry. Right. That's just, you know, I mean, that's, you know, for the most part, that's what I was taught as a kid. Like, yeah. Oh, cross the line, just go say sorry. And that, and that settles it. And, yeah. And I mean, sure. For little tiny things. Yeah. That's more than adequate, but yeah. it's, the, it's not the little tiny things that stick with a person yeah. and, and affect who they become later on in life. Absolutely. I, um, yeah. I tell my kids, I do this thing. I don't know if you ever saw it. It's um, when you take a piece of paper and you crumble it up. Have you ever seen that analogy? Yeah. Uh, same one with like the $20 bill. Maybe so. I'm not sure, but you crumble it up and I've, I've given it up um, each. Um, so my kids, they range in age. So I have two that are older. So I've had to go through this analogy with two of them, two more to go. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but it's the, it's the crumbling up of the paper. And then it's usually when they have done something so crazy that has caused such an uproar, more than likely to my bank account. And, yeah. and and now I have to fix it and get another credit card or something because they've done something they shouldn't have. And now they have mud on their face and they don't know how to fix it. So they look dumb, that dumb face when you've really done something and you don't know how to even fix the situation. Well, that's when they have their first dumb face moment. And I get the piece of paper and I crumble it up just for the listeners who don't know. And I give it to them and I say, you have a week to get all those dang wrinkles out of that paper. No, I tell them to crumble it up. You crumble up the paper and they crumble it up. And of course they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And mm -hmm. I say in a week, you better come back with that paper with no wrinkles in that paper. And they're like, my mama is crazy. She has lost her mind. And then occasionally throughout the week, I'll say, are you working on that piece of paper to like getting those wrinkles out? And they're like, I don't know how to get them out. I don't, I, I've tried everything. I, I can't do it. And by the end of the week, I sit with them and I say, give me the paper. Why aren't the wrinkles out of the paper? Well, I tried everything. I tried to press something on, on, I've tried to put a book on the paper. I tried to press it as hard as I could. I couldn't get the wrinkles out. And it's then when I'm able to tell them that I know that what you did similar to this paper, but I know what you did was an accident. Accidents happen all the time. Sometimes we don't intentionally hurt people. Sometimes people don't intentionally hurt us, but you did the damage. You crinkled up the paper this was your damage that you did. And even though that you didn't mean it, it still clearly has an imprint. And no matter how much you work, 
those wrinkles are still there. It may never, the relationship may never get back to when the paper was crisp because some things that happen are just, they can be life-changing and relationship-altering situations. And it is up to the person that put the wrinkles in the paper to work extra hard to get it back to its original state. It is not my responsibility if that person hurt me. It is not their responsibility if I hurt them. And so that's what I try to teach um, my kids at certain time, you know, when, when they're when they're transitioning over into middle school. But I actually did that same analogy with my father. I did that analogy with him. And for the first time I have, um, you know, I've talked at him plenty of times. I had, you know, um, when I get into, um, I never was really much, you, you wouldn't be able to tell now because I'm such a talker, but <laughs> back in the day, um, I really um, internalized a lot. That was my safe haven was internalizing and speaking to myself and, um, and not sharing a lot because I just wasn't in an environment that was conducive to sharing my feelings. And so in dealing with our relationship, I would never express to him how he hurt my heart and how he broke my heart not being in my life. Instead, I would just not invite him to things. When I got married, I refused to let him walk me down the aisle. I would not give him that satisfaction of walking me down the aisle. He didn't earn it. And so um, things like that, ways that I could be vindictive to get back at him and make him feel the pain that he made me feel for, for years. And um, one day, um, it's just that God just put it in my heart that um, clearly the things that I've been doing isn't working <laughs> and it's not helping to mend the relationship. And at that point he had been reaching out to me and I just didn't know how to communicate. I was afraid to communicate my feelings. I didn't think that he would receive my hurt. And so I would, um, avoid the conversation. And finally I used that analogy on him and explained to him that, you know, that he's done damage and it's years and years of damage and that it is his responsibility to put forth an effort to work on that damage. And in the meanwhile, while he's trying to work that out, that I'm going to work on my heart to ask God to help me to soften my heart. So when the time does come, for us to finally have a conversation that I really will be in a place in my heart that I could accept the conversation and just come open-minded, not come in necessarily trying to forgive anybody, but just at least come open-minded. And by me being able to um, approach him in that way for the first time, kind of like grown up to grown up, when we were able to, able to set, sit down and schedule a meeting, it truly was an open forum and um, he was able to receive my words and I was able to share example after example of ways that my heart was hurt by him and not in a, not in an attacking way, but just, you know, I really need to share this information to you because I need you to know the depth of how you've hurt me. And so I have these five things that I wrote down and I'm just asking that you allow me the time to get through each one of these. And then if you have anything to share afterwards, then you can do so and I'll give you the floor, but at least let me get through these because I really need to share this. And he allowed me and I was able to share my heart and um, I really, I can't um, express enough how coming to the table um, in that way, softening my heart and asking God to keep me humble and not have this self-righteous attitude when I came to the table, even though I was hurt and he was wrong. 
Um, but, um, but there were areas where I didn't, I wasn't the most mature in, in my responses either. And so just to be able to humble myself and say, I'm coming to the table as open-minded as I know how to be. And I'm asking that you come to the table as open-minded as you can be and coming with kind of like guidelines of this is what I know that I will tolerate in the conversation. This is what I won't tolerate. And being able to already have it placed in my head on if it doesn't go in the way that I want, that I will not try to manipulate um, a, a response from the other person. I will not try to manipulate him into telling me what I want to hear. I'm going to share my thoughts. And if he doesn't agree, I have to allow him the freedom to feel that way. Um, and that was hard because I wanted to naturally control it. I wanted to naturally say, you hurt me and you need to apologize. But that wasn't the correct way to get the healing that I needed. So I followed those rules and it was very different than I was used to. And it was very uh, nerve wracking and a little awkward and it took a lot of discipline. But in the end, honestly, uh, we have such a wonderful relationship. We talk every Sunday. Uh, we have a um, a set Zoom call every Sunday and we catch up and he got to meet his grandchildren for the first time. They're his only grandchildren. It was the first time he got to meet them. And um, God has just done some awesome healing in our relationship, but it started not with him, um, with my father. It started with me um, shifting my heart, allowing God to shift my heart condition and my approach to number one, healing myself. That was number one. Um, but number two, in the process of healing, understanding that forgiveness is a part of it and that um, having a real conversation with myself saying, am I ready to forgive? Am I ready to approach that? And being real about it. And if I wasn't, then let's focus on the things I am ready, ready to approach. Um, baby steps count too, you know, it, it's about progress, you know, not, not perfection. And, um, and yeah, um, I, I just think that those steps, me working on those baby steps have definitely allowed some wonderful um, blessings to come my way. And some things that I speak about um, in the book, I got stories like crazy and um, it's a lot of it is outlined in the book. Yeah, that's just a lot of good stuff in just in general. I I find myself kind of losing focus here a little bit as you're talking. It's I, I find myself more more so just listening to the information <laughs> rather, rather than trying to host a podcast because <laughs> it, it, there's there's so much truth and and weight to those words that it's hard to not give them pause mm. and try to apply them to your life because yeah. i i know there's people people in my life that i'm probably distant from because i haven't been able to soften my heart and go approach and have a conversation with them i can think of a few of them off the top of my head right now so mm. I would imagine that there's there's a lot of people out here who, if they so choose to, could use these tools and go have a conversation with somebody and and either be in that person's life or have that person be in their life. Yeah. And and after the year we just had, <laughs> I I think it's it's important because last year was it was what it was it is what it is yeah 
but it it only it only serves to prove that there's no time like the present yeah. to invest in things that are important to you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if and if that's people, then you need to learn the skills and the tools in order to talk to and deal with people. Yeah. And as you get older, those skills change because your context and your view of the world changes. So I think it's, yeah, there's a lot in here. I'm personally, I'm definitely going to finish it because I know a, like you said, progress and not perfection. I'm always trying to be a better person in some way, shape or form. Yeah. I got a son that's going to be two here in March. Oh, and, awesome. And, and, <laughs> I know that I'm not prepared to have some of the conversations that I'm going to need to have with him as he grows up, because I know the type of person I was a child yeah. and I got what's coming to me. <laughs> so I, I, that's, that's my responsibility is to, is, is to be a better person to be a better father for him. So yeah. and this is how I do that. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. And, and I feel the same way. Like that is, that is another reason why I'm excited to be able to, um, it was one of the reasons why I said I'm going to just speak up primarily for myself, honestly, to, to have a voice. But there was an extension of that to be able to see my kids come alongside me. And when I started writing, they were like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to write a book. And they're like, huh? And I'm like, I'm for real. I'm going to write. But then after a couple um, a couple days or a week or two weeks, they would be coming in and saying, are you done with your book yet? Are you done? And then when I got to the end where I really could say, you know what, I'm done. Um, you know, they celebrated with me and, um, and then being able to be at home with them and them seeing me have some of my virtual therapy sessions, um, for me to be able to be open and, and they say, who are you on the, on the call with? Who are you Zooming with? And I can say, I was on the call with my therapist and they're like, huh? And then be able to have that moment to have that conversation and show them that when you need help, that it's okay to ask for help. It's like, I'm, I'm being able to give them that. That is a gift. Um, yeah. It's a gift that I wasn't given as a child. And yeah. so, um, and, and in that it's breaking um, I say, we could say habits, but I look at it as generational curses. It's breaking those curses, things that were done that were dysfunctional, but your parents didn't know any better and they did things and then you picked it up and now you're showing, you just naturally, you're giving those to your child as a bad habit. And this is another form to break some of those habits of being too proud to say, I'm broken. To, you know, yeah. being too proud to to cry when you're hurting. You know, I want my kids to know that, yes, I have all boys, <laughs> but I want them to know that it's OK to cry. If you feel the emotion, you got to get it out. It's not OK for you to sit in it. I don't want you just sitting there wallowing and just, you know, being in that in that moment and not right. trying to get up. No, I don't want you to do that. However, everybody deserves a moment to where they can release whatever it is inside you in a healthy way. Because if you don't, I can guarantee you, it's going to come out at the drive-through, at, at, at the restaurant drive-through, the poor McDonald's worker, her first job, and you're going to be yelling at her, okay? <laughs> it's going to come out. You're in the long line and you're flipping out. It's going to come out. So you got to have a way to get that stuff out. And I want my kids to know that you're not, um, you know, weak 
especially with men, they're not weak for, for shedding some tears. You know, that doesn't equate to weakness. If anything, you're in tune with your feelings. That gets your butt up and go handle it. <laughs> okay. Yep. Amen. That's, that's you know, um, I got some of that coming from, from my father's side as well. Um, he was one of those men that, or he is one of those men that just, he doesn't talk about feelings. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, it's and, and it's 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 growing up and having more conversations with them. It's obviously not because he doesn't feel them. Right. But it's just that's how his father was. So that's yes. how. And, you know, it's it's not for. A lack of trying or a lack of anything. It's like you said, it's just those generational curses. Yeah. And and, you know, it's 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 like you said it's it's on me to recognize that those are there and it's my job to weed out or tone down those so that you know i don't pass them on to my son yeah you know knock on wood hopefully it happens i try my best every day absolutely that's that's it that it is what it is. Absolutely. That's all you can do. One last thing I want to share just be, just before, because you tapped on something as far as like the relationships and last year. And I want to make sure that, that your listeners um, hear me when I say some relationships are worth humbling yourself. You know, it's like not, it, it, number one, you have to, you know, weigh it. If it's the person that's at the job that said something to you and you snapped at them and, um, you know, you, you don't, it's not like you're going to ever see them again. And, and granted, you may tell them that you're sorry, but if they say, you know, don't talk to me ever again, that's not going to mess up your life, right? That's nothing that's, you know, you might talk about it with your girlfriend or you might talk, talk about it with your guy friends and, and then you kind of let it go. But people that have invested in your life, um, has, has a history of investing time in your life. Um, Maybe there were some bad situations that occurred, but overall, you know that you wouldn't be where you are if it wasn't because of what they imparted in you. Those type of relationships, whether it's a friend or whether it's, um, you know, your godfather or your your parents or your, your sister, sister-in-law, um, whoever they are, I really believe that it's something to be said for humbling yourself and trying again at that relationship. Um, at least to see if it can be resolved, if if you're led. Of course, if you're led, nobody should put themselves in a situation where they're in harm's way. I don't believe that in any way, shape or form that somebody should do that. But if these people are meaningful and they were meaningful in your life, it's worth working through the, those forgiveness steps of setting an appointment first, writing out the different things that may have occurred that really impacts you. Like every time you think about it or you start talking about it, your blood pressure starts to rise or you start getting louder in your voice. Okay. That's one of those things. So any of those type of things that you log them down and, but go through the process, not just writing it down the specific thing, um, but also writing down how it hurt you. And how it impacted you, like, did it impact the way you make decisions now? Now you don't trust people when they say a certain thing and what you wish would have been done differently. And then moving forward, how can you make that right? How can you, you know, going forward, what should the expectation be in the relationship? Trying to work through those steps. Some people that are close to you, that have meant so much to you, they are worth doing those steps for. 
And um, now you cannot, I believe that um, uh, an apology, if, if you were the one on the end, on the other end of it, and you did the dirt, you did the bad thing, it's to me, an apology is like a gift. And you can't make somebody accept your gift or not. So you say uh-huh. it from your heart. I make my kids ask for forgiveness. I don't like them when they say, I'm sorry. Sorry for what? I say, you go and ask your brother to forgive you. Because you're humbling yourself to ask somebody when you say, will you forgive me? You're giving somebody else power. It's humbling yourself. So I, um, you know, for me, and it takes a certain type of heart condition to do that. So if you go into somebody and you're asking them to forgive you, you have to leave it there. You can't, you, you can't manipulate the forgiveness card. You can't be like, okay, I said everything. I said all this stuff. You got to forgive me now because I was nice. I said it's sweet here, you know, all this. I even gave you a compliment. You got to forgive me. No, it's a gift and it's up to them to accept it or return it. But at least you tried. At least you felt enough value in that relationship to take the step. And that's all you can do. Then you can wash your hands and just move on with your life without that guilt, carrying it on your back and, and allowing the enemy to condemn you and make you feel like you are less than a person because you haven't approached and apologized or, or, or allowed somebody else the opportunity to maybe apologize to you in that effective way. So I just really think that it's important to say that maybe not with everybody and definitely not with people who, you know, um, just aren't going to help you to grow and they and it's going to be a hostile situation and you already know that that's the way it's going to be um you, you know i definitely wouldn't ask tell anybody to put themselves in that position but folks that you really know that they just made an imprint on your heart and and i really think those type of people are worth fighting for and it's up to us to know who those people are but they're worth taking those extra steps of humbling ourselves and approaching the situation and setting up some time to have the dialogue um open mind to have a conversation to see if it was just a misunderstanding and and i really think if a lot of us did that that would be so much um kumbaya in the in the world <laughs> I, I mean i i don't even know how to really follow that up <laughs> i guess i guess <laughs> that just means you agree yeah I, yeah it's uh... <laughs> That just means you agree. We're on the same page. And yeah. and hopefully um, someone would have heard um, something that they needed to hear today and will um, be led to make that phone call. And, um, and I think that would just be such a blessing, such an awesome testimony or message or comment to get back from your listeners to to know that our conversation today helped them to mend a relationship. I think that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. This has been the What For Podcast. Subscribe today to hear new episode releases and more inspirational stories on breaking down the walls of adversity and overcoming challenges. If you've ever been in a situation where you've come head to head with any obstacle, we'd want to hear from you. Visit the link in the show description to be a guest on the show and share your story with our own community of listeners. And if something in this episode stood out to you, we'd love it if you would share the show with someone close. Just tell them to search for What For Podcast or better yet, share the feed in a message right now. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon on the What For Podcast.